Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode in our podcast series, Beyond Markets. My name is Nam Park, Head of Strategy and Business Operations Singapore at Julius Baer. Today, I'm here with David Wilson, Wealth Management Lead Asia for Accenture. Hi, David. Thank you for joining us today for the episode on digital assets, unclaimed territory. Hello, Nam. It's a pleasure to be here today. Accenture recently released a new report from the Future of Asia Wealth Management series in which Julius Baer participated as part of the Asia Advisory Board. David, as the lead for the report, can you tell us what this report is all about? Absolutely. The background is that we realized that there had not been a lot of Asia-focused thought leadership in the wealth industry. So at Accenture, we wanted to put together what we believe is the most comprehensive publication out there to bring depth and clarity to key topics within that, uh, within the industry. The report itself launched on June the 6th and is focused on the future of advice in the region, comprising four reports. We have the main report, which is broadly on the future of advice and what this means for firms to meet client demands and their strategic imperatives. And then we have three satellite reports around this theme, but going deeper into specifics. One is on ESG investing, one is on RM empowerment, and of course, one is on digital assets, which we're here to talk about today. And what helps the series stand out is the depth of research on the region. We surveyed 3,200 affluent and high net worth investors across eight markets, 600 RMs, and interviewed 22 CXOs of wealth management firms, including the team at Julius Baer. And now we're looking forward to doing it all over again for 2023. You mentioned that one of the key topics within the series is on digital assets, which is also one of our key area of focus at Julius Baer. What are some of the key findings and feedback gathered thus far since going live with this? The digital assets report, in my opinion, contains some of the most surprising and interesting findings contained within the entire series. Maybe just before I dive into these findings, I can first clarify what we mean by digital assets. Because in my experience, sometimes people assume digital assets is equal to Bitcoin, which is not the case. So from a definition perspective, we define digital assets along five types. You, of course, have your cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum and Solana. You have stable coins, which are price stable digital assets backed by underlying assets such as fiat, commodities or over collateralized uh, cryptos. And examples would include Tether and USD coin. We then have crypto investment funds, relatively self-explanatory. And then security and asset-backed tokens. Security tokens are tokenized forms of underlying financial assets. Asset-backed tokens are fractional ownership of underlying physical assets, such as real estate or collectibles. So in a nutshell, the findings of the report are as follows. The first finding is that digital assets, when we launched the survey in January 2022, are a top five asset class for Asian affluent and high net worth investors representing on average 7% of their investable wealth, comprising or leading to an addressable revenue pool of $54 US billion in Asia alone. 
The second key message is that despite this demand, two-thirds of wealth management firms in the region have no plans at all to offer any form of digital asset proposition, again, despite this huge market opportunity. Third, our view is that taking such a position is not really sustainable because clients, which want more support from their firms, but also RMs are asking for more support so that they can meet what they see as client demand. And then lastly, in order to move forward for firms to succeed, they need to not only take a position in terms of a strategy, but then build the business model or the operating model to bring that strategy to life, deciding between end-to-end orchestration of the ecosystem needed to generate a digital assets proposition or going for more modular adoption. Thanks for the clarification and the high notes, David. And yes, please, allow me to dig deeper into the details. With Asia being Julius Baer's second home market, we are well aware of the inter-country differences in the region. On that note, what nuances did you find specifically for countries and demographics? I would say the overall trend is strong and relatively consistent. But as you allude to, there's certainly nuance across these factors. So maybe I can take each of them in turn. If I start with age and gender, younger affluent investors in Asia have more than twice the allocation of their older peers. While at a gender level, we see, interestingly, female investors holding a slightly higher proportion than males at 7.2% versus 6.4%. But I think the main, the main trend is around the age uh, factor. Secondly, wealth level. Our research also found that wealthier investors invest more in digital assets, with 9% of assets allocated this way for those worth more than 10 million US dollars, compared with 6% for the lowest affluent band of 100,000 to 500,000 US dollars, so 50% more. And then on a market basis, affluent and high net worth investors in Southeast Asian markets held the most in digital assets, led by Thailand coming in at 9% on average of their investable assets held in digital assets. On the other hand, Japan and Hong Kong have the lowest allocation at 3% and 4% respectively. Interesting. So the demand is higher for the younger and wealthier investors. Now, Julius Baer has the ambition to position ourselves as a leader in this space of digital assets. What products and services are investors demanding? What do you think this is? I think it's a great question. And it's also very encouraging that Julius Baer are focusing on the space. On the product side, our analysis shows that clients are not looking solely for cryptocurrencies, but want exposure to all forms of digital assets. For instance, while we do indeed see that 61% of these investors are interested or extremely interested in cryptocurrencies as a product, the other product types fall in a narrow range of 55 to 61% interest levels, meaning everything is in demand. Especially interesting is that private market opportunities, such as being able to directly invest in digital asset startups and private equity or VC funds, ranks very highly at 59 and 58%. And this rises to the number one product type ahead of even cryptocurrencies for the wealthiest investors. On your second question, we see clients seeking exposure to this range of digital assets in an advisory-led service model complemented by their ability to self-trade these asset types. But again, all service offerings are of interest, from simple custody to lending against the value of digital assets to -to end-to-end advisory and integration of digital assets into the overall portfolio construction approach. And the reason is fundamental. 
the investing world we operate in is more and more complex to navigate. And we see the advisory persona beginning to dominate in Asia, which creates the mandate for wealth firms to offer ideas and expertise so that clients can navigate this landscape to achieve their goals. And digital assets is clearly not an exception to this, given its newness, the lack of reliable information, and the inherent complexity of navigating this. Sounds like as early adopters, we have a great opportunity to position ourselves at the intersection of digital assets and the fiat world. Let's pivot to some of the downsides. What concerns do investors have? Well, yes, we clearly have to talk about some of the downsides. What I would say is that for firms seeking to capture the opportunity in digital assets, adoption by clients is obviously going to be key. And to achieve this adoption, firms will need to overcome a number of client concerns with digital assets. Among several, the most significant concerns, as, as we under, uncovered in the research, high price volatility, and this was cited by 39% of the survey respondents, lack of safe custody, coming very closely at 38% of uh, respondents, inadequate personal knowledge of digital assets, so a just general comfort level, which was cited by 35% of the survey respondents, And then interestingly, an unwillingness or inability on the part of firms and RMs to provide quality advice. So there's clearly an ask for firms to do more, which is cited as a concern in the top four by clients. So clearly it follows that firms that address these concerns most effectively will be best positioned to succeed with the successful adoption of their digital assets proposition. That's quite interesting, consistent with what we understand from our discussions with clients so far. Now, why haven't financial institutions entered in a significant way? What are the key hurdles here? As I noted earlier, the revenue opportunity is very large for digital assets in Asia across custody, advisory, and execution revenue pools. To illustrate, the Southeast Asian nations alone of Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, and Thailand that we covered have a sizable combined revenue pool of more than US dollars, 13 billion. Despite this, we see the market being captured by non-wealth firms, notably the non-bank liquidity providers, aggregators, and of course brokerages focused on digital assets and taking advantage of the relatively slow pace of traditional financial services firms to enter. And I think maybe an advantage for Julius Baer, a bit of a call out from, from a client perspective is that this absence is set to continue. Two thirds of the 22 C-suite executives we surveyed or interviewed say they are not planning any initiatives related to digital assets, not even taking a strategy position. And even among the 9% that have such plans, most are targeting custody and have no plans to expand into advisory and execution services, which are higher touch with clients. So the logical question is why this reluctance? In essence, we see three core concerns. The first is the regulatory maturity varying significantly across markets meaning firms are unsure how to proceed and whether they can proceed. The second is it's complex to redesign and extend the advisory process to integrate digital assets from a need, suitability, portfolio construction and reporting perspective. And then lastly, there's operational constraints, such as the need for new licenses or the lack of capability to analyze and recommend actions around digital assets, not to mention general firm priorities and budgets already having been allocated elsewhere. And how do RMs feel about the subject? Well, I think the first topic is awareness. So our research found that, encouragingly, RMs know their clients want more exposure to digital assets. 
However, they do underestimate the magnitude of this demand. Just to illustrate this point, while nearly three quarters of clients want to be invested in digital assets by the end of 2022, at least that's what they said in January, RMs believe only around half of their clients feel this way. So there's an awareness and alignment, but not a full appreciation of the magnitude of demand. Secondly, knowing what clients want does not mean RMs can easily deliver on those advisory needs. And we see leading the list of must-haves, regardless of the size of the firm, are RMs who want more insights and data that they can share with clients. Additionally, half or more of the RMs surveyed identified other services and tools that firms should provide so they can better engage with their clients in an advisory capacity. And these were improved partner-based and in-house products and services, integrated portfolio structuring and reporting tools, and training and education for the RMs themselves. Thanks, David. At Julius Barrow, we help clients to understand and navigate the digital asset universe with research and regulated advice in selective locations. Provide clients access by integrating digital assets into our wealth management offering for participation in economic performance and diversification. And we get prepared to transform our value chain and engage in a broader ecosystem with the right talent and connections. One closing question, please, David. What about long-term outlook in terms of digital asset adoption trends? What should financial institutions focus on? What is the lowest hanging fruit? So you've saved uh, one of the trickiest questions for for last. Uh, So I will do my best to to respond. On the adoption topic, I think, as I mentioned, a bit of context, the survey was live in December and January. So the beginning of the market volatility we've seen, the so-called crypto winter and all of the declines, had, had started. So some of that was already underway. However, logically, a big topic is, what's this picture look like now, given what's happened? because the full extent of the clients who were yet to hit. So I have a few reasons I believe digital asset demand will remain robust. The first is growth. The high level of digital asset allocation was driven by only 52% of Asian investors saying they actually held digital assets. So just by virtue of having 52% of the investor base investing, that meant that we got industry average allocations of 7%. However, in the survey, we saw that the trend was to increase this and penetration levels were expected to reach 73% of Asian investors taking some investment in digital assets by the end of 2022. Secondly, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies do not comprise the entire digital asset class. They are just one component. Other digital assets include stable coins, crypto funds, security tokens, asset-backed tokens, including NFTs. And we do see client demand for these remaining relatively strong. Third, cryptocurrency is not the only market that has had a difficult year so far. Everything has. The S&P 500 dropped more than 20% by the end of June 2022. So it wasn't a crypto-only story in terms of declines. And then fourth, even if the recent market dislocation means investor allocations are down to, say, 5% from 7%, digital assets would still be a top five, top six asset class. And I don't think as a wealth management firm, you can ignore the number five or number six asset class in your industry. Now, in terms of where firms should focus, it clearly is one of these questions that it depends on your starting point, your strategy, your internal capabilities. But I do have a few observations. The first is that you have to take a position. Most firms are not even working on, for example, a strategy paper to take to the board and say, this is what we believe and do we prioritize this? 
So this, I think, is clearly the starting point, even if you decide to deprioritize it, but to at least have a view on the market and where you might play. Secondly, for those taking a position, the key topic becomes the business model. It depends on many factors, but what we see emerging are two archetypes. The first is the orchestration model or the orchestration archetype, which is to orchestrate an end-to-end ecosystem, given that most traditional FS firms lack the in-house capabilities and knowledge to run a digital assets business. And secondly, or the second archetype is to use more modular adoption, where for some areas, if you have the skills or the in-house knowledge, you can, you can do it yourself, such as KYC. For others, you might want to partner with uh, external providers and so a more modular play along the ecosystem. Thank you, David, for sharing your valuable insights with us. Dear listeners, that's all we have time for today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. On behalf of all of us at Julius Bear, thank you for tuning in and goodbye. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Bear. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Bear, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.